0: Welcome to the Lancaster Patriot Podcast. My name is Chris Hume, the managing editor of the Lancaster Patriot. And I'm joined again, as is our custom, by Joel Saint, pastor of Independence Reform Bible Church. Joel, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me once again. Our episode today is brought to you by Heritage Floors. If you've listened to our podcast, you've definitely heard about them. They can help you create the home of your dreams with shades, carpets, area rugs, specialty flooring, and more. No matter what you're doing for your flooring, they're the place to go. They can give you the supplies or they can do the installation for you. Go to heritagefloorspa.com or go to their showroom uh, in Ronks and check out everything they have to offer for your home. Again, heritagefloorspa.com. So, today, Joel, we're going to talk about government housing. All right. And this topic has been one that the commissioners have been discussing, Lancaster County commissioners, for a couple weeks. And you've been there, I think, at, at both of those meetings. So, you'll be able to share a little bit about that. And on December 28th was the uh, two meetings ago, all right, you were at. And um, you had a discussion with, uh, with the commissioners about housing in general. So, we want to talk about that today. Okay. Uh, look forward to that. So, let's, let's just kind of set the stage here with. ARPA, the American Rescue Plan Act, okay, because that's kind of what is precipitating this discussion in the county here. The American Rescue Plan Act uh, is basically three hundred fifty billion dollars, billion with a B, of money uh, going to states and counties. Sixty-five point one billion of that uh, goes to counties, I believe, okay, or went to counties. So, free money again, right? Yeah, of course, free. Um, of course, it's actually a tax that this money is, is coming from the taxpayers in one form or another. Now, at this December 28th meeting in Lancaster County, over $4 million of ARPA funds went to affordable housing. Right. So now there are various regulations, of course, attached to ARPA, uh, which again, it's it's not free money. It's money that ultimately is a tax that's coming from taxpayer money, uh, and if it's if it's from some other source, whether that's printing more money or or manipulating the currency, it ultimately is a tax. Is it not that ends yeah. up ends up affecting us, our children, and our grandchildren? So before I actually get into this this housing thing in, in a little more detail, Joel, I just want to point out that. The ARPA, you know, ARPA, the American Rescue Plan Act, was, uh, you know, pushed by the Democrats, voted on by the Democrats. I think one Democrat voted against it, and all the Republicans voted against it. And then, of course, President Biden signed it. But uh, that ARPA was just a continuation of the CARES Act, right, which was $2.2 trillion, with a T, $2.2 trillion. And that was from the Trump administration. And I think it was the largest... Uh, stimulus package in U.S. history, so this is not again a matter of oh the you know the Democrats they're the wild spending party and the Republicans are you know they're they're fiscally conservative. Uh, if anything, ARPA was uh, a step in the right direction compared to to CARES. So that's what we're looking at here. This is this is uh, billions of dollars, trillions before that, going to uh, counties and states and whatnot. So as I think about this 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 money that. Has been accepted, and it's it's funny, Joel. Before right before this podcast started, uh, I got an email from a township in Lancaster County who said that they voted unanimously to send back the ARPA money, uh, nearly uh, eight hundred thousand dollars. So we'll have a story on that uh, once we can get that confirmed and everything. But so, and that's what I was thinking before I even received that email. I mean, I think the best thing to do would be for counties and states to just reject this money, just say we we don't we don't want this money, uh, we don't want uh, th- this federal money coming in with all its regulations and everything else attached to it. Um, but the best choice, I think, would be to refuse it. Now, I think the only other good option potentially would be to use this money to offset property taxation. Because this is just taxpayer money anyway. It's not like it's free money. It's just here's money that the taxpayers are footing the bill ultimately that's coming into your county. So there's really no honor here from the government saying, well, look at what we're doing with, with this, this money that we, that we got for you guys. It, it's, it's taxpayer money in the end. But here's one of the problems with, with ARPA, Joel. Wouldn't you know that there's a regulation in the ARPA funding that says funds allocated to states cannot be used directly or indirectly to offset tax reductions or delay a tax or tax increase? So you can't. That's that's part of the. Oh, my. That's part of ARPA. And so maybe the CARES Act didn't have that. So maybe that's why Trump's $2.2 trillion uh, was much better. But in the end, it's still taxpayer money. But specifically in ARPA here, uh, in other words, here's all this money. Whatever you do, do not delay a tax increase. I mean, it's unbelievable. It truly shows us that what the government values, which I think we'll get into with, with the housing situation, the government does not value the production of the people right, but the expansion of the nanny state. I mean, and this is a clear example of that, and I think the CARES Act uh, was as well, but here you have another example where they're saying specifically don't use this money in any way to stop, to, to decrease taxation. So, which interestingly, I think could be argued by some, the Lancaster County Commissioners did use that money for that, which we'll get to in a minute. But. So if, if using the, the funds won't work to decrease taxation because of you know this godless bureaucratic legalese of ARPA, then I think they'll be better suited just to tell Washington, D.C. to get lost, like apparently this township did, uh, and just, just keep the money, which they stole anyway via forced taxation. So I'm going to bring you in here in a minute, Joel, but I want to just kind of set the stage here. It's interesting that the commissioners this past month touted the fact that there was no property tax increase, right? And we had a whole episode on that. If you haven't watched that, check it out, uh, which we talked, when we talked about the fact that, okay, yeah, we're not stealing from the people at a higher rate, but we're still forcefully taxing people. So not something to be celebrated per se, but it's interesting in their comments of saying, well, we're not raising taxes. Uh, we are getting interest from the ARPA funding, all right, Michael Yoder and Lancaster Patriots, Michael Yoder reported that an increase in interest earnings from the federal funds awarded to the county under the 2021 American Rescue Plan Act are expected to turn around $6.8 million in interest in 2023 compared to $110,000 from interest in 2022, which helped in balancing the budget. So, if we get into the details here, it does seem to me that that would be in violation, uh, potentially, right. of the ARPA regulations. And maybe I'm missing something here, and if I am, someone can point that out to me, but it's an indirect way to delay a tax increase.
1: And so I mean, it, yeah, it almost sounds like responsible use, right. A- almost.
0: Right, yeah, and, and in that sense, I really don't care. You know, good, good for the commissioners for ignoring such nonsense or finding a, a loophole, but perhaps it would have been better, as I suggested, to just reject the funding, Outrate, outright outright um, although it says one eligible use is revenue replacement for the provision of government services which is again another issue to the extent of the reduction in revenue due to the COVID-19 public health emergency relative to revenues collected in the most recent fiscal year prior to the emergency so maybe some lawyer could could get in there and argue that well no the county lost revenue due to COVID and so we're using the interest from uh, those funds to not do a tax increase from the lost revenue, so whatever. But th- that's some of the issues going on with ARPA and the CARES Act that came before it. Two point two trillion in the CARES Act, three hundred fifty billion in ARPA. So let's get into this now. Now, Joel, the main point here that I want to talk about today, related to ARPA and then specifically housing, is why do we even have ARPA, and why are conservative leaders continuing to maintain the status quo of government welfare? Because with CARES and ARPA, I mean, we see it's both parties are statist, huge government, huge spending. Uh, there's not a distinction there between the two. Uh, and here, here we have one of the flaws, I would say, of modern conservatism, is that it complains against socialism and the welfare state, and then its leaders partake in it. Right? Why not stand opposed to it? So comment on some of this, Joel. I know you've been at the county commissioner's meetings for several weeks, uh, and you've interacted a little bit on the housing issue specifically. So the discussion at recent meetings was how do we use this ARPA funding and let's use some of it for affordable housing. So what are your thoughts on that? What are your interactions with the commissioners?
1: Sure. Yeah, and, and I did interact with the commissioners on this a, a, a little bit. It's actually on, on tape. But uh, one of the commissioners had said, hey, um, don't think the government has a big role in, in, ha- in affordable housing, but it has some role. You know, something similar to that. Of course, I, I stood up and I said, I, I believe the government has no role whatsoever. Right. And um, so we discussed that very briefly. Here's the thing. We you know, don't have a whole lot of time in, in those meetings to discuss that. Right. But here's, here's the thing about it. Um, when we... We have a problem with an entitlement culture, an entitlement nation. If everybody's entitled, if I am entitled to your money... Your time, your efforts. If I'm entitled to that, then I don't have to. Then I do have to be productive at all. And after a while, you're not going to be productive anymore because everybody else gets the fruit of your labor. Now let's back up a little bit. Affordable housing. We need affordable housing. Why? Oh, because we have inflation. Oh well, where did that possibly come from? So we we're this endless cycle where it seems like the state just gets more and more power, and. You know, one thing I've noticed, and I've noticed this way back. I mean, I'm going way back, uh, uh, Chris, back when I was got involved in some school fights over tax increases. And what I learned early on was the state is not interested in tax breaks. The state is interested perhaps in giving you some of your money back if you play ball, if you're a good boy. Like this. Hey, we're going to give you this money, but you're not allowed to use it. To offset tax increases, or instead of tax increases, so the state constantly presents themselves as out to help you, mm-hmm. but they, Chris, how much of their help would we not need if they wouldn't have messed with it to begin with? Right, as we said before, you know, always we, we, we all love the person who, when we're out uh, drowning, right, uh, you know, we're off the boat, right, mm-hmm. drowning. Love the guy who sent uh, who who throws us a life jacket. Turns out the guy that threw us the life jacket looks somewhat similar to the guy who threw us off the boat to begin with. Right. Well, can you comment on, this is, this is something that we
0: hear uh, often, well, it would be great if the, the citizens, the church, or whomever, it would be great if they, if they were doing this, then it wouldn't be necessary for the government to do it. So it, is it necessary right now for, for the government to do this? And, and how do you respond to that? i got to grab something from my desk. I forgot a paper because I have the minutes from the meeting. So start responding to that, and I'm going to grab this.
1: Yeah, so, so what we hear all the time is, well, uh, the, the, the family and the church has done a bad job at benevolence, so it's good we have the state to step in. I would seriously challenge that, Chris, and say this. Um, how about if we give the state, a, I don't know, maybe a 10-year break, and let's see if the church and the family can do half as bad a job as, as, I mean, I, I've seen some of these numbers, like, for example, welfare payments, mm-hmm. you know, money that comes out of our, our, our wallet or out of our pocket for welfare, I've seen as little as 10% of it actually makes it to the recipients. Right. Uh, now, church and family might do a bad job. I, I don't think they can possibly do that bad of a job. And, you know, to this day, I have a question that, that I was not able to answer adequately uh, to, to my son. Uh, one of my sons, he got a job when he was like 16, mm-hmm. and um, he looked at his pay stub, and he says, uh, and I've been trying to tell him this, and I had told him this before, but when he saw it coming out of his pay, he, he, uh, he got the message even more clear, clearly, right? And he, he looks at his pay stub, he says, hey, hey Dad, he said, they're, um, they're taking an awful lot of money out of, out of my paycheck. I said, uh, sure are. <laughs> and he says, uh, where's it going to? He, and he was quiet for a second. Is this going to people who, who won't work? I said, mostly. Mm-hmm. And he said, and here's a question I haven't been able to answer yet. I gave him an answer. I'll tell you what the answer was. It was a bad one, right? But he said to me, he says, um, why won't they work? I- I'm working. Why won't they work? And my bad answer was, because you and I are stupid enough to go out and work ourselves, and give money away so they don't have to work. The better answer is, of course, um, how about if we stop doing this? Now, what's, what's going to happen here is somebody's going to say, oh, well, you don't care about people who can't work. Mm-hmm. I, I want to kind of jump ahead, if I may, sure. to my um, interaction with the uh, commissioners, uh, what, actually, actually yesterday. Uh, okay. What what I did was I did a little expo- ex, uh, uh Exploration, if you will, or exposition on the uh, Christmas Carol, uh, Good King Wenceslas, okay. which is not really a Christmas Carol because it doesn't say Christmas. But Good King Wenceslas looked out on the feast of Stephen, which is on the twenty sixth, right? Okay. And I, I said, so why? Let's let's look at this. It's like a mini sermon, but let's look at the, who the king was, and let's look at who he helped. So Good King Wenceslas looks out on the feast of Stephen, and he sees a man gathering winter f- fuel in the in the snow and it's really, really cold, right? And so he calls his page and he says, help me. Help me help him. So his page helps him, right? And by the time they're done, they were able to help this man. So we going to talk about this. Who's he helping? He's helping someone who's already working, who's already doing what he can. And I, I, we, I talked a little bit about the, what the Bible says about working with your hands. Meaning... Doing what you can with what you have. Do you have two hands? Are you supposed to sit home and wait for somebody else to buy you an affordable house or make it work for you? Now, some are going to say, well, some of these people do work. Mm -hmm. And I did get that from one of the commissioners. Like, they are working, um, but they're just not making enough. Well, how about a second job? I mean, have people not work second and third jobs in in, in the world Mm -hmm. to work their way up? But do you really need a second job? if you're going to get handed a whole bunch of money from someone else who is actually producing things. Right. That's what I want you to to elaborate on, because Commissioner DiAgostino,
0: it's in the minutes here, too, and in the video, which I saw. You were there. I wasn't there. But uh, you made your comment that you don't believe the government should have a role in housing uh, by taking money away from the productive and giving it to the unproductive. And Commissioner DiAgostino said that that's not true, because most of the people living in affordable housing have jobs and are productive. And he went on to say that, you know, as a conservative, the, you know, the government intervention should be the minimum required, which I do want to get back to that. By what standard do we do we make that judgment? But the idea of, OK, no, maybe these people are working, mm-hmm. but you mentioned something earlier before we start. I mean, but what kind of culture are you creating if it's constantly there's constantly the state there a, a, as the, the caregiver, what are the issues with that?
1: Sure. What, what we're, what's happening is we are creating a culture of entitled people, which is really not a, not a good thing. And that is entitled. I mean, if you say, Chris, that the, the government has a role in providing housing for people, mm-hmm. then they have a right. Do they not then have a right to that housing? Mm-hmm. Right? Government has a role. Then, uh, you know, if if I don't have... "Quote unquote adequate housing" by to your point, whatever standard, mm-hmm. right? What standard are we talking about here? Uh, um, I have no idea what that's saying. But if I don't, maybe it's my own standard, my house is not adequate. Mm-hmm. You, as a taxpayer, Chris, owe me adequate housing by my standard. Now, if it's not my standard, then it's somebody else's housing. Well, what if it's lousy housing? Mm-hmm. How do how do we even do this? But worse yet, and I'm I'm going to go back a little bit to. The idea of population control. Mm. So how? What are you you talking about here? Well, here's the thing. Once you reject God, then you have to have a God substitute. And the state is always there. Because the state can be sort of kind of like God. Knows a lot. Doesn't know everything. But by the time they're done, they want to know everything. Right? Love you. Care for you. And you know, we, there's just too many people to care for. If you're the state, there's just too many people, so we have to like cut down on the on the population. And so, what's happening here is when we say we are responsible for housing, hey, Chris, why not food? Mm-hmm. Right? Wh- wh- why not? Um, I-, I don't have enough money to buy all the food I want. Right? Wh- wh- why? Sh- why sh- Isn't food even like more important? How about? Um, Winter clothes. Sometimes it gets cold out there. Does the state have a responsibility? Well, some politician is going to say, well, hey, at some point, you've got to provide for yourself a little bit. Right. Correct. Right. It gets too big. I mean, for example, Commissioner Parsons, not to put words
0: in his mouth about that, yeah. but he said that you know he supports funding for the smaller projects, but he's opposed to the larger ones. Again, by what standard are we making that, and, and, and on what principle... If the government is to be involved in housing, yep. to be involved in education, which we've talked about at length yep. before, uh, by what standard do we say it shouldn't be yep.
1: large? Yep. Why should it be small? Yeah, Chris, here's the thing. Um, see, what it sounds like, as a pastor, sounds unloving, right? And so what they immediately want to say is, well, hey, uh, Pastor uh, Joel Saint, um, you, you must be against people living in houses. And, uh, and all I can say is, you know, before the state got in the housing business, what, did everybody live in a, in a cave someplace? Right,
0: now that the state is involved, there's no homelessness in America. Right? Yeah,
1: yeah. It's everybody, isn't it funny, and we talk about that very briefly, why are we investing in the homeless and affordable housing at the same time? I would have thought, and this is not the, the county of Lancaster so, so much, the city's involved here too, but just being uh, general here, I would have thought that if we're investing in affordable housing, we really shouldn't have anything to invest In home, what are we investing both of them for? But but even going on for that, um, the 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 charge would come back to me is, well, you don't love your neighbor. Mm -hmm. Well, let's go back to Good King Wenceslas. He did love his neighbor. Now, our idea of loving your neighbor, what King Wenceslas should have done instead of like getting out of his palace where it was nice and warm, he should have sat back. And I, I I I said this to the commissioners, Chris. I said, why is he Good King Wenceslas? Why is he not popular King Wenceslas? Or, or, you know, powerful King Wenceslas. Why is he good, King Wenceslas? And, you know, um, popular King Wenceslas would have been, you know what? That poor man there, we need to, we, we need to have a, a photo op here. We need to get the word out. Look at that man. Uh, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to vote a whole bunch of money out of everybody else's pocket right. to help that man. Well, now we have popular King Wenceslas, but we don't have good King Wenceslas, then we have socialist uh, socialist King Wenceslas, which yeah. is what which is what we want, and so which which can get you power, but is not good. It's not right because the state, by God's standard, can we say it does not owe me a house? Right, that's the key issue. That
0: that's what this comes down to. What by what authority what that the state can say we can take money. From, from you, whether by property taxation, other taxation, whether by these CARES Act or ARPA funds, which in the end is a tax on you, and say we're going to care
1: for everybody else. By what standard? We, we can't get away from that. And, and I want to talk about the love thing, right? So here is, here is the love chapter from 1 Corinthians 13, which I would say might be the third most well-known uh, passage. Uh, the first one being judge not, be not judge, uh, be not judge. second one being something about loving one another. Maybe or, thir- no, him who, let him who is without sin cast yes, the first through. stone. There, oh, yeah. there you go. That's, that, that's a good one. Here is one from 1 Corinthians 13 about the love chapter and so forth. Listen this to this um, verse uh, 4. Uh, verse three, excuse me, and though all i and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. Wait a minute i thought I thought giving all my goods to feed the poor was love <laughs> paul says that 's actually not necessarily love, and here 's standard right? it 's not the standard because here here 's the thing: how do you know when you Affordable housing, or what? How do you know you're not doing doing them ill? Mm-hmm. How, how do how do you know that's a good thing? Well, they wouldn't be able to live in a house if they if they didn't if we didn't provide it for them. Now we're now we're not growing up here. And see what he says interestingly in this love chapter. A lot of people miss this is this is critical because he talks about mostly what love isn't. He talks about somewhat what it, what it is. And he, right in the middle of this, or towards the end of this chapter, he says this. He says this. When I was a child. I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. What do we do for children? We provide for them. Yet, it's true, a child cannot provide for his own uh, own house, you know? put them in a crib. He didn't make the crib or whatever. We provide for children. You know what? When we grow up, we put away childish things and we provide for ourselves and for our neighbor and for our own children. Mm -hmm. And what's happening here with these government programs, Chris, that we house and whatever, we are keeping them in perpetual childhood. Mm -hmm. And it's terrible thing, because after a while, you're not going to have people that can produce anymore. I mean, do we forget, Chris, that it's people that are actually producing that make it possible for these other people to have this so-called affordable housing? And, and I've interacted with people that will say things like this.
0: This whole system that you're talking about, it encourages people. It, it does discourage people in many times from working, because even if they have a job, a lot of these government housing projects will say, okay, this is the you know, income limit. If you make more than this, you can't live here. And so people, I've, I've spoken with them and say, well, you know, if I, if, I report, if I make more or this or that or, you know, that type of thing, well, then I'm not going to be able to get these benefits. So you're actually discouraging people from being productive because of the money stolen from you and other people to go into this housing. Now the people that are there, and, and you know, they might have the, the best of intentions, some of them, but you have created a system where you encourage people often to be unproductive okay, well, yeah, I have this job, but I'm not going to try to make more because if I make more, once I get over that threshold, well, now the government's no longer going to provide my housing, and even if I'm making an extra X amount of dollars, it's going to cost me more over here, so I'm just going to stay at this level and
1: continue to you know, be supported by the government. You, you know, boy, there's so much to be- talk about here. For, let, let's ask who even invented charity. Um, Alvin Schmidt, in his book, How Christianity Changed the World, points this out again and again, that it was the church and the family that were providing charity while the state was burning the villages Mm -hmm. and selling the women and children into slavery and killing the men. So what's happened is, of course, is the state has now come along and says, well, we can can do it better than than you can. Mm -hmm. It's not working. I don't know what the amount of trillions have been spent on the the great society uh, from Lyndon Johnson. Think about it, Chris. It was going to eliminate poverty. Mm -hmm. This was back in the 60s. Well, just like... Government education was going to eliminate all the woes of
0: society. Yeah, yeah, we right. yeah, every, same, same thing. Everybody's
1: going to have to learn read and write, right? Yeah, no more crime. I
0: mean, yeah. I think we talk about Thaddeus Stevens. I don't know if it's him that said that, but yeah, same thing. Okay, all these programs get rid of homelessness, get rid of poverty, get rid of crime. Doesn't yeah, work.
1: Yeah, I I, uh, I don't know if I ever told you this, Chris. I I went, when I ran for office back in in, in the nineties. Any I, plans on doing so? Not not really being a pastor right now, but uh, who knows? Anyway, maybe something really local. But anyway. Um, very local. I had, a, um, I, I had a nice speech that I, that I made for my, my supporters. I didn't, obviously wasn't public with this. Um, but I had an, a, a nice speech that I gave to everybody that if, that if, if you elect me, um, I'll introduce legislation that it will never rain again on a parade day and that your, your, your five-year-old will be able to play the violin accurately. And I had all these wonderful, wonderful promises. And then, of course, I attacked my, my opponent's. I, I, I guaranteed that there would be no more tornadoes ever, right? And I attacked my opponent So said, my opponent is, is for tornadoes. Right. I'm against them. Right. And, and, I, and, of course, I was having fun with it. And my point was that there are certain things you can't do, even though you sell it like you can do, like eliminate poverty. Right. You can't. I remember reading years ago a guy who said, um, it was quoted in the USA Today of all, all places, this is a guy who was homeless, and this was his comment. He says, I get up in the morning, I drink, I stay drunk all day, that's all I care about. I want to know how you're going to help him with your government program. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: That's a good question. So let's talk a little bit about, well, briefly here. So on some of these things, I'm not going to get into the details, but the commissioner's disagreed on some of the, yeah. ultimately, where does the money go to, but just, it uh, looks like 150, no, that's a storm arc, so looks like our first housing thing here was College Avenue, $1.2 million. Um, it looks like that was voted no by Commissioner Parsons, um, and that's where I think that was the discussion. Yeah. Everything
1: Parsons. went through, but some went unanimous and some went two to one, two to but, one. It all, but it all was yeah. approved.
0: And uh, Commissioner Parsons voted no again on the, uh, the YARDS, the affordable housing project there, for $1.25 million again. And then the next one it was the YWCA, which is one of the most liberal, woke organizations at this point. Um, and that one actually was looks like it was passed unanimously, I believe, for $1 million. Then um, you had the UCEA White Building for $310,000. Uh, Commissioner Trescott was the only one who voted no on that. Uh, another one for real life under two hundred thousand. Then you have another million dollars going to Landis Quality Living, and looks like that one was a no from Commissioner Parsons. So those, I think it was six, maybe. They all passed. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them, like you said, were unanimous. Some, some weren't. But I want to bring up something here, Joel. Uh, you, you talked about the the government, you know, providing. We've talked about the government being a nanny state. We've talked about this system. Uh, creating the system where the people look to the government to care for them. And to your point, poverty cannot be eliminated, especially by the government, because it's not the means that God has given. There is a means to deal with poverty, and and primarily it's work, and there is a place for private charity, which brings me to this. And just going back in American history and looking at the American Revolution and, and the French Revolution, uh, well, mainly this comment here from Rushdini on the French Revolution. He said it represented the culmination of an idea of a statist tradition in France. Private charity and individual responsibility were steadily replaced by welfare legislation. So private charity and individual responsibility, which is the opposite of what we're seeing here with the use of these ARPA funds. This is the government coming and saying, we're going to help you. Okay, yeah, maybe you're working, but um, you're not able to produce enough, so we're going to come in and help you. So uh, Rushdini goes on, he says... The revolution thus presented itself as the total caretaker state in fulfillment of what the monarchy had begun. Now, historically, America represented a different path, I think, uh, because ultimately because of the worldview of the citizens, which I'll get to, but with many private charitable options. So, America... And if you go back and look at, there was the private associations was one of the defining factors when you looked at early American history. That it was not that the, the churches, the communities, they cared for one another. Um, but I do believe we we set ourselves on the same path as the French Revolution. I'm, I'm firmly convinced of that. And I do there's certainly d- differences between the French Revolution and the American Revolution, but I do think um, that we did set ourselves on the same path. Now I think we were held back a bit by the biblical worldview that was present in many of the people. Uh, if not in many of the founders. I think many of the founders, perhaps not all of them, but many of them did buy into this French Revolution mi- mindset, at least the underlying foundation of the humanistic enlightenment, because clearly the, the founding, the declaration and the constitution did not make explicit that justice is defined from the word of God, which they certainly could have done. They had a rich history of that with the Puritans, and they were certainly not people that were living in ignorance of God's word. But they chose instead to say, well, we're gonna we're going to you know, build on enlightenment principles. Now, again, I think the the America has had a, a, a longer run of private charity, and we're seeing more and more of that degraded now, and I think that was because of the founding generation. Here's a quote from historian uh, Gerard Butler. He said, the founding generation was, and this is the people, not necessarily the political leaders, because here he's even, con- you know, showing the difference between Jefferson and most of the people, and he's saying that most of the people didn't have the views Jefferson did, which Jefferson was one of the, one of the founding fathers. And I think that's where it, it is sometimes confusing. Okay, well, the American Revolution was so much different than the French. Well, in many ways it was, but the underlying foundation here of the, of the state um, being the caretaker, I think, was laid at our founding. But this Butler said this. He said, the founding generation was, as a matter of sociological fact, a Christian community at a time when Christians, especially the majority subscribe to a calvinist theology really believe that they were dependent upon an almighty god for all good things a god who stood in constant judgment of them and i think the constant judgment would be more properly maybe phrased as that god is providentially watching over right. them, and he ju- he does right. bless obedience and judge disobedience so i think we laid that foundation in the beginning Joel so just comment now on on where we're at now in america and, and the and the, the the conservative standard of You know, well, we'll do a little bit of government intervention. We'll be a little bit of a care. I mean, how is that different than the mindset uh, uh, that Rush Dooney's talking about here, the French Revolution, that the state is going to be the total caretaker? Because in the end, are we just going to be, are we just arguing about the details here? I mean, this commissioner wants funding for this project. This one doesn't wants it for this one. You know, this one says, well, should you know, two point two trillion is too much, but two point two billion is fine. Like, if we have abandoned what God says the civil government is authorized to do, how are we principally uh, any different, you know, than the mindset behind the French Revolution, at least as it relates to this? Because I, I would think we would agree, you and I would agree at this point in America, we, we, we are experiencing that. And I think it didn't start 10 years ago, 20, it yeah. started long ago. Yeah. So what's your kind of analysis on, on where we're at and, and how we got here and maybe how, how we can begin to, to get out of it, especially at a local level, you know, is, it, is just are we just going to continually just argue about the, the specifics? You know, oh, we shouldn't have too much government intervention, but a little bit's okay. Well, where do we go?
1: Yeah, we, we are at sea in, 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 a, in a ship with leaks, with no compass, no sails, no rudder. Uh, give me an example on the way here. Right, I saw a uh, well, two bumper stickers. Right, a car. With, okay, now both. It's important. Both bumper stickers are on the same car. Okay. Right. Now, keeping in mind, the government is force. That's that's, that's what it is. We're going to pass this legislation, and if you don't comply, we're going to fine you or jail you. Sounds like force to me. It is force. You behave the way we tell you. Okay. And I'm not even arguing with that right now. What I'm arguing about is, is the standard by which they utilize that force. Okay, So here's the two bumper stickers, right? What was that annoying coexist bumper sticker thing, right? 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 And on the same car, um, that other bumper sticker you've probably seen that has a little picture of the, of the globe or whatever, love your mother, mm. right? So I thought to myself, I'd like to talk to that person and say, you know what, you, you want, we should coexist, right, you and I? But I don't believe in loving your mother. I don't believe in, in loving the Earth. Can we still coexist? And without a standard, I don't even know where that conversation would even go, Chris. Right. N- n- now what? Because I have two commands there, and they are commands. Command number one: coexist. Command number two: love your mother. Without a standard, then what in the world where where in the world are we? We, we we can't go anywhere now. Um, let's say that we had a politician here, and we said to the politician we were talking about earlier: "Are you responsible as a politician to make sure that I have enough to eat?" Mm-hmm. And if the answer is yes, then the then so where does that stop? You, you know, some of my I I have some I have some. Here, here's a revelation for you: There's new information. I have this drawer at home, Chris, Right, and in that drawer are socks, and some of them don't match. I want to know from the politician, is, is he responsible to make sure all my, my socks match? Or is there a limit to this thing ever? Right. If there's a limit, then by what standard? Let's ask another question. What do I, what do I have a right to? To, to? to what do I have a right and why? Mm-hmm. Why is the question? If we have a word from God, and as far as I can tell from the Word of God, and I'll be—you know—well, we talked about. I know you've talked about it before. You'd love to have somebody in here that could argue with you on this point. But do I have a right to anything uh, from the, from the state, other than justice, other than punishing evildoers? Do I have a right to anything else? Do I have a right for you know if I do a yard sale? Well, my neighbor made 50 bucks in his yard sale. I think I have a right to make 50 bucks in my yard sale. And if I don't, let's call in the state here. It, it's, it, it's beyond foolishness. But what, what's happened here is politicians and people in power have gotten really good at presenting power as charity. And that's what's really going on. If they get to be in charge of charity then they gain power to themselves all the time. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I give an example. Hey, we need, here's one, we need, um, we need quality education. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we need to fund public education, mm-hmm. as our politicians have done here. Okay, so they're in Harrisburg, or they're in Washington, D.C., funding public education, right? How many of their children are in these schools that they say we need? I, I, I would put money on less than 5%. Now what, wait a second. What 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 are, you, what are you doing? You're actually using God's solution, pay for your own, but you're humanist solution for everybody else. You hypocrite. Right. And it's done, Chris, in the name of charity in the name of loving your neighbor. Right, right.
0: Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about this briefly here, Joel. So you talked about what you know. What 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 are the rights we have? What does the the state owe us? And you mentioned justice, punishing evildoers, which is what the Bible makes clear. Now, also in the Romans 13, 1 Peter 2 passage, it does say there's a positive aspect to to the civil government in, in a general sense. And this is where I think, I think we err, because I wanted to bring this up. There are some people that say, okay, yeah, I agree with, what, I agree with a lot of what you're saying, Joel. I agree with what you're saying, Chris. This, this is too much, um, you know... Too much government intervention, too many projects. Again, what's too much? But they say, okay, I agree with you. You know, we need to go back to, you know, the American founding. We need to go back to the Constitution. We need to go back to the way it was previously. And they'll make arguments like, well, we even well, we we can have the government school system. It should be it should be Christian, though, or or we should we could have the government might have a place to encourage godliness. They might say, well, okay. Yeah, maybe you're right that the affordable housing is encouraging people to be unproductive. But what if we had systems where the government is encouraging responsibility um, and where they're subsidizing people that are being faithful and having big families? I don't know. I mean, these are things that that some of these thinkers are presenting. But the first question, one of the questions is, well, how are they going to be doing that? Mm -hmm. Where are they getting the money Mm -hmm. to even do that? Is it not going to be by... By theft, by forced taxation, but biblically, the 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 one thing we do have all, we, the one thing we have a right to demand from the government, I would say from Romans thirteen and First Peter two is this: other than the fact that they're dealing with evildoers, is that they owe us praise if we are obeying God's law. That that's what it says. They they are they are territory and they are praise to those who do good. So the civil government, that's the handout we should want from the government. If I'm being faithful and obeying God's law and providing for my own, the only handout that I want from the civil government is to say, hey, good job. Right? That's, that's the handouts that we should want, nothing else. But when we go back and adopt this mindset, well, we can have a little bit of government intervention. We can have a little bit of government involvement in, in welfare. Uh, and we're going to go back to the founding because you know, they got it right. Well, I want you to speak maybe on both of those things or one of them. But returning to the founding, I, I don't think, is the solution here. Because at the founding, again, there was a great foundation laid uh, in the nation of biblical law. But that, was, that began to be chipped away at with some of the founding documents. So do we, do we return to the, the principles of the founding, or do we return to the principles of God's law? Yeah. Because the former, I think, would not ultimately be able to resist government intervention for welfare and conservativism you know the conservative movement has demonstrated that we're 2.2 trillion dollars for aid and now we're just squabbling over okay well how much aid should we give but god's law is fixed its standard uh, This standard is fixed forever and we are not going to look to the government to give us handouts other than praise for following his law
1: yeah what we've got is a a system now where um Well, let's let's put it if you're not praised for doing the right thing, you will ultimately be praised for doing the wrong thing. Did we not see that in 2020? Mm -hmm. These were the heroes—people burning, people murdering, people burning down buildings. The these were people of virtue, and I'm not overstating the case here. Uh, Remember the one mayor called the summer of love, you know? And these were people that were out there for equality, and these were people that were out there to actually love your neighbor. So during 2020. Loving your neighbor sort of became, <laughs> let's burn down our neighbor's property. Right. And, and that, was, that was going on. So once again, we get away from God's standard. And, and when we do that, we think, we think, Chris, we think we get in this neutral area here. where We have God's standard. We have man's standard. No, no, no. Once we take God's standard away from where it's supposed to be, the word of man is going to come rushing into the vacuum. And pretty soon, you're going to have the horror that we have. Now, your question about the Constitution... Because in a, a lot of circles that I know you and I sometimes go in, it's like, well, can we get back to the Constitution? Well, there's two issues here. First of all, what do you mean by getting back to the Constitution? Let's first of all ask ourselves, how did we get away from the Constitution? And Chris, I don't, I don't hear that asked too often. Well, what, what happened? We got away from it. But getting back to the Constitution, is that really what you want to get back to? I got two things here. Let's just compare two things. I've got the Constitution and I've got the eternal word of God. Why would I want to go back to the Constitution and not back to the eternal word of God? Now somebody's gonna say, well, the, the Word of God isn't good enough. Mm-hmm. Ah, now we're now we're hitting pay dirt. Now now we're getting where we Yeah, the word of God is not, is not helpful enough here. We've got, to, we've got to have something else. And here is the problem that I run into with Chris again and again talking with my Christian friends. It goes something like this. Well, the Bible doesn't speak to these issues. Okay, when you say the Bible doesn't speak to the issues of, of state and of society, you have given up every single argument. You've given up your conservative arguments too. You have, because now it's just your word against somebody else's, and somebody else comes up, well, you know, you know Joel, you don't believe in, uh, in public housing uh, because you're not in favor of the public good. Mm-hmm. I, on the other hand, am in favor of the public good, and I can, and I can argue from my conservative standpoint, well, it's better to have the people who earn the money, keep the money, blah, 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 mm-hmm. and somebody else said, oh, no, 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 it's better for the supermen and women. To, to distribute the money because the people can't yeah, be trusted with yeah, no their money. Wise, they're wiser. I mean, you can yes. philosophical arguments
0: on yeah. that. They're wiser. They know better. The Absolutely. common people can't understand it. Yeah. And you can make a philosophical case for the common good. And it's, it's very easy to do that. So, Nietzsche's
1: Superman. You know, and, 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 and as I understand Nietzsche or Nietzsche, however I, I saying, say the dude's name, he thought it was ridiculous to have common people even vote. Mm-hmm. You know, he, said, he said, good grief. He said, they can't even take care of themselves. Right. And you're going to give them the power of the vote? No, no, no. That's why we need the Superman. Mm-hmm. The only way we have to, to make it work is the super. And hey, why not? I mean, if you have no standard, maybe these people in Washington do know better. After all, they got elected, right? right. What do I know? I'm just a dope who goes and wo- works for a living. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're the experts. They're the
0: ones that should tell us how to live. Now... There's a lot of things about, just since we're on the topic, about the American founding that that I I greatly appreciate and that was based indeed on the biblical worldview. There is much of that there, and I think way more than if you look at the French Revolution compared to the American War for Independence. But that being said, I think we make a mistake when we say, okay, well, since there was a lot of good there, therefore everything that that came from that generation is to be the standard. Mm -hmm. I think we make a big mistake when we do that because the fly in the ointment Was this Enlightenment humanistic philosophy? Right. And and it's there. And so you had some people that were very well intentioned, you know, even perhaps better than than the conservatives of today, perhaps, and they were trying to live out their biblical worldview. But if they erred and strayed from God's word and were influenced by humanistic Enlightenment thinking, we do well to avoid those errors. Just like there might be errors we make that are, are. our descendants might say, well, look, you strayed from God's word on that, but there has to be a standard that we look to, and this is a big thing I'm seeing now in the conservative movement, and probably for years and years, you know, well, you know, this this argument between the conservatives and the liberals, well, was the American founding Christian or not? And I think, you know, that, that's a good conversation to have, but I think it ultimately misses the point, because the, the question, the, the main question is, what does God's word say, and how do we obey it? Regardless of, of what what they did. Now, it's important, but primarily we need to know, what does God's Word say? Because then we can make the judgment, well, here's where they were actually going against God's Word, uh, even if they had the best of intentions. But to just say, well, okay, we're going to accept everything, and the solution is to go back to the founding. Well, as you mentioned, you know, how did we get away from it? And I would argue there were things built in there, contra-biblical law, that laid the groundwork. Yeah, we got necessary and proper clause, general welfare clause. Yeah. I mean we're not going to yeah. get to all that today, but those things are there. Yeah. that leave an open door.
1: Interstate commerce. What was that yeah. about? I mean, those yeah. things
0: are there. That to me, what we're experiencing, in a sense, has been created by that system mm-hmm.
1: anyway. Right. So yeah, okay, Chris, I'm going to ask you to role play. You, I, I want you to be a, a conservative for me now, right? On a role play. Chris didn't know this was coming. All right, and you're not supposed to do this when you're the guest, so you might throw me off after this. Okay, but here, okay, I want you to be a conservative, right? Some people don't think, probably wouldn't consider me a conservative. Right, but I'm going to ask you to, we're role-playing here, okay? Chris, um, you're a good conservative, and uh, you love the Constitution, as all good conservatives should. Let me ask this question, Chris. Can the Constitution be improved on? Is there any improvements that can be made to the Constitution?
0: Well, perhaps, maybe with an amendment process, but that's all wrapped into the Constitution itself. So it, it, it is sufficient for, for the needs of the nation. Is it infallible? I don't know, I don't know if, it's, if it's infallible, but, you know, we, we, can, we can adjust it if
1: needed, but it's, you know... Yeah, so, so could you use some adjusting from time to time? Potentially, yes. Yeah. By what standard are you going to adjust this Constitution of yours? Well, we're going to have to, to look at...
0: Um, I've never really thought about that, Joel. I mean, I mean, generally speaking, I think the Constitution is sufficient. But if we had to change it, I guess we'd have to just look at the, need, the modern needs of society.
1: Isn't that what we have now? Do we not have all our politicians saying that exact same thing? Chris, I would, as a as good conservative and coming from a pastor here, I think I might have a better plan. If we're going to improve the Constitution... The standard we must have is the Bible. Right. Because if the Bible, you know, stepping out of our role play here, which I surprised How did Chris I do? with. Right. <laughs> Sounded pretty good, like a good conservative there, Chris. But if we're going to improve, and I would hope we would not say the Constitution is like infallible, mm-hmm. right? It's not a perfect document. If we're going to improve it, mm-hmm. then I don't know any other standard to improve it other than an infallible standard. Right. Yeah, that's the question. And, you know, I kind of was. Somewhat joking, some people
0: might say, well, hey, you're not, you're not a true conservative because you do X, Y, and Z. But I think the, the principles of, con, of conservative, the conservative movement that, that I value, and that in one sense I would consider myself a conservative, are those principles and values that are based on the Bible, because that's the question. And this, is, I think, is one of the problems with a with general vague conservatism you know maybe based on Burke or something that okay well we need to preserve the the traditions and we're for slow change and and there's and I get that there's value in social you know the the social uh integrity and history and all those things I get all that but at the end of the day by what standard do we say that change has to come at all Mm -hmm. and if it's not by God's law word then it is completely arbitrary. So I do think there are values worth conserving, and I think the conservative movement is right about a lot of those values, mm-hmm. and I stand with them you know, in opposition to, to the destruction yeah. of, sure. of traditional marriage, uh, their attempted yeah. at destruction, um, and, and the principles of, of big government and taxation. I think the conservative movement, by and large, has betrayed those values, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I think I'm being consistent with them. Mm-hmm. So, but that's the point. How do you how do you make that judgment? How do you make that uh, you know? How do you how do you judge whether or not this is worth conserving or not, and whether or not the Constitution should be changed if it's not the law, word of God. So we're gonna have to wrap it up there today. We kind of uh, good discussion. We got da- down a lot of uh, paths there, starting from the affordable housing uh, issue in Lancaster County. But this is the point, Joel. All these things, there's a worldview behind it. There's always a worldview, and I think so many in our, in our day uh, are maybe willfully ignorant of that. Well, I don't want to think about my worldview and the underlying ideas uh, that, that formulate. This is what the government does, and we need to step back and say, okay, why, mm-hmm. on what basis, And by what authority, and Christ is the authority. He, he, is, he has ascended, he is ruling and reigning right now, and he is in the process of putting all things under his feet. So it behooves us to say, okay, what, what does he say? And I think that's where, where we err, of course, when we, when we don't do that. So final word for you, Joel, on, uh, you know, on your interactions with this housing, you know, consistently appearing before the county commissioners and, and uh, trying to challenge them and I think trying to challenge our, our listeners here by what standard are we going to, to judge any of this and, and how do we think about housing, how do we think about taxation, how do we think about these ARPA funds um, and, and the challenges that we have when, when, the, when the church is also in the county don't want to address
1: this. So final word for you, Joel, and then we'll wrap up. You know, we need to ask this question. Is it ever possible that helping can hurt? But we don't want to ask that question because the answer is just not attractive to us. Mm-hmm. We've got it in our heads that whenever we give money out to somebody, then it's helping them. Mm-hmm. What if it's hurting the plundered, right? Right? The plunderer, right. because they're benefiting from somebody else's efforts. And the plunderee, right. the one who is, is receiving the funds. Once we get away from the Word of God and start to do this on our own. And so, we, you know, what do you mean the Word of God? The Word of God tells you everything. No, it tells us how to interact with our neighbor as far as what the responsibility of the state is concerned. It tells us, Chris. And we don't have to guess here. Now, if the Bible tells us how to make bake a cherry pie we would have to do what the Bible says about how to bake a cherry pie. It doesn't do that. We have liberty, we have freedom in how to bake a cherry pie. We don't have freedom and liberty when it comes to what the state can and cannot do. We have been told this. If we deny that, then the only thing that's going to happen with whatever we substitute is going to hurt those three, those three it's going to hurt all three. It's going to hurt the plundered. It's going to hurt the plunderer. It's going to hurt the plunderee, and that's what we see happening in front of us as our civilization, frankly, burns to the ground. Yeah. And just to add to that briefly, the the, the parable of the broken window. Um,
0: I don't know if that was Hazlitt or Bastiat. I think, I the, think it was
1: Bastiat. Yeah, yeah.
0: So the parable of the of the broken window. Right. You you don't see. I'm not going to get into that parable, but the idea is you don't you don't see the 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 ramifications of certain things. And and when you're when you're taking money from the productive, just to be generally speaking, and those who are not as productive, we don't see the the good that could have been done well, we by that person we who ha- now has less resources yep. to to create jobs, create right. create you know infrastructure. So we don't see that, right. and, and that's the whole thing of the broken window. You know, all you see is oh, the government's coming in and we're helping, and you don't see the harm that's being done because you can't see it. Because it never happened, because the good never appears because the government has taken the money by force. So that's an important, that's a good point that you brought up there with those three parties um, in that. So, well, today we don't have time to get into, maybe next time there's an Amish farmer who's been charged. We covered the story in November, but there's some new developments uh, charged with with dealing firearms, uh, not in accord with federal regulations, of course. So, again, here we have the government coming in and saying, well, we're, we need to take care of things here. We need to tell you not just how, how you can sell your food, but also how you can sell your guns. So we'll save that for another time. For more information on Pastor Joel St., go to irbc.church. Uh, also, Joel is the Executive Director of the Mid-Atlantic Reformation Society. I think you can go to thinkandreform.org, thinkandreform.org for more on that. Again, if you're not a subscriber to the Lancaster Patriot, I encourage you to become one. Go to the LancasterPatriot.com. Uh, sign up now we deliver once a week right to your house we're covering the local news uh, also some state news and national and world news but primarily focused first in the county because we believe you need to know what's happening here in order to bring about any positive change so check out our local stories we also have some commentary in there that's sure to ignite some conversation so go to langsterpatriot.com sign up today until next time god bless and godspeed